Today, we're going to go through the process of designing a digital marketing strategy. It's going to be a fairly whistle-stop tour. We're going to cover lots of different elements, but the goal is to show you how you can approach doing this. Now, we hear from a lot of businesses, very, very large and also pretty small, that really struggle with working out where to prioritize. And what the most common mistake is they tend to go straight for, how do we just get more traffic to our website? So today, we're going to do a digital marketing strategy for a fictional business, a chain of bariatric clinics. Um, so you can see how it works and see how we make some of these decisions and how we think about priorities. Ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja. We're a digital marketing agency helping our clients generate more leads and sales through their website. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. So today we're planning out a digital marketing strategy. Now, when we're planning out a digital marketing strategy, the first thing that we will always do is start with the fundamentals, okay? Some real marketing fundamentals. So a lot of people, when they're you know, even experienced marketing managers, when they're planning out what their priorities are for their digital marketing, they will go straight for how do we get more traffic? Or if they've been watching some videos about, you know, Facebook ads, they'll go, right, Facebook ads, this is our goal for the year. And what they won't do is they won't have a look at the real sort of fundamentals, the starting point. So in today's uh, podcast episode, we're going to be using a fictional chain of bariatric clinics. Why bariatric clinics? Well, the EN team has been getting some ridiculous results for a bunch of our bariatric clinic clients recently, so they're just very top of mind. Call it recency bias if you like. Uh, and we're going to be assuming that they're relatively new to digital marketing. Now, the process that we're going to be going through is exactly the same process that you can use to build a digital marketing, marketing strategy for your business, whether you're bariatric clinics or probably not. Any other business doesn't really matter. The process is exactly the same. Obviously, some of the specifics will be very different, but the process... Um, is exactly the same. And we're going to assume that they're fairly new to digital marketing because it's going to lead us to or it's going to encourage us to focus on some of the fundamentals. Now, even if you're well established, even if you've got a lot of digital marketing stuff um, in play already, it's still worth re-reviewing the fundamentals. There's been a whole bunch of times this year where we've spoken to businesses that are very well established. Uh, we spoke. I'm thinking of one in particular, a multi-billion dollar brand. And to be honest, they don't have their digital marketing essentials down at all. So what sort of fundamentals are we thinking about? Well, we're thinking about things like what is your differentiation points? What are the core USPs that you want to be communicating in all of your marketing material? Does your brand actually resonate with people? Okay. And if you don't have these things in place, then working on driving more traffic doesn't really make sense. Okay. All right. So let's talk about these bariatric clinics. And let's think about some of the challenges that we're going to have to overcome. So for this specific business, obviously, bariatric um, clinics have uh, run weight loss surgeries. So this brings us some specific uh, challenges is notoriously difficult to rank uh, in sort of new healthcare type content on Google. And there are obviously uh, limitations with some ad channels. So of course, we're going to have to be thinking about this. Um, one of the first things that we need to do when we're starting to build a strategy is think through the founding story. Now, in our fictional example, we're going to design a founding backstory because we're actually going to have to use this later on. So our fictional chain of clinics were created by someone who had bariatric surgery, but found it very 
very hard to find a clinic that spoke to them in plain English and didn't just show the before and after photos of weight loss. So they became friends with a bariatric surgeon who supported their vision and the two decided to open some clinics together. So that's the sort of background story here. Right. Where do we start? Well, like I said, lots of marketing managers go straight for, right, how do we get more traffic to our website? But actually, we're going to slow it down and we're going to start from right at the beginning. So the first thing that we would do whenever we're designing a strategy is we'd actually have a look at some competitors. Now, what we don't want to do is just become a sort of derivative of the average of all of your competitors. That's not what we're saying here. But we need to understand the market that we're operating in because it's likely that your potential customers are going to be comparing you to different competitors. So we need to make sure that we're at least in context. So the first thing that we might do for our bariatric clinics is we might just type our main keyword into Google, bariatric clinic, for example, and have a look at some of the sites that are showing up. And if we're targeting a local um, area like London, we might target, might search for bariatric clinic London or whatever. So what we do is have a look at the other websites that are ranking in this particular um, case. We know that uh, these sites have lots of pictures of before and after surgery. They have customer quotes about how surgery improved their life. They've got homepage headings talking about change and all that type of stuff. We can see that loads of their competitors are making monthly uh, payment plans and deferred payment. We can see that this is one of the things that they're really pushing. So we're obviously going to need to make sure that those things are emphasized in our marketing too. But what we're really trying to do here is we are trying to work out how we can differentiate ourselves against all of these. What we don't want to do is just say, right, this is what everyone else is doing. We're going to do the same thing. So in this particular example, what we might do is we might say, well, everyone else is just showing the sort of before and after pictures of someone with weight loss. Um, surgery. But actually, what we want to do is we want to focus on maybe the activities that are going to be opened up for someone after they've had this surgery. Because maybe there's a section of the audience, and obviously, we would have done customer research to validate this, but maybe there's a section of the target audience, which actually aren't just doing this for appearance, they're actually doing this because you know, they want to go and do exciting things, or they want to do different activities that they weren't able to do before the surgery. So that would be an example of how we would use um, our competitor analysis to validate or, or identify different positioning, um, uh, different positioning uh, changes that we might want to make, make to make sure that we're standing out from our competitors because then when we're running ads or when we're uh, writing content or we're posting on social media, we can allow our differentiation to shine through as a way of collecting people that resonate with that message more than the generic you know, everyone else is doing exactly the same thing type stuff. So that's going to help us stand out. And um, we would all that also helps uh, or matches with our fictional founders story as well. Any sort of positioning or USPs or differentiation should ideally tie in with founder story or you know, if, if your business isn't of a type that founder story makes sense to use in your marketing, then obviously you can't do that. But if you can, then founder stories can be an incredible way of sort of baking in your values and illustrating and uh, explaining to people building an emotional connection with people that they won't get from just you know very uh, very logical or um, emotion driven copy okay uh, the next thing that we want to focus on is a great brand now brand isn't just the visuals it's not just the logo and the color scheme brand is also it is that stuff but it's also the way you talk it's your story behind the business um, and again brand can be a, a really good way to stand out against competitors beauty is a selling point i don't mean beauty as in like you have to be a beautiful person or your team has to be beautiful i mean the beauty on your website or, or beautiful brand there is a a premium and perceived value that comes with good design 
Now, this can also work in the opposite way in some markets where good design actually can make you look more expensive. But in the majority of cases, good design is a selling point and it is something that you can use. Now, for our chain of bariatric clinics, of course, we would have really great design. We would make sure that their design was really top notch. We'd be looking for their website and their branding to be the best in their space. That is our standard when we're building a website. Does this look better than others in their, in their market? And we would also be um, explaining the founder's story we will put the founder story front and center in their marketing. Now, if you don't have a founder story, that's totally okay. But the goal of this section is to really find out what uniqueness you have, what makes you special, why should people choose you rather than competitors. And it can be anything that's worth talking about that no one else is doing. Now, there's a weird thing here where people tend to latch on to uh, quirks or interesting stories, or, um, you know, maybe slightly unrelated things, but they stick in people's minds. So I get asked loads like, oh, you play drums, don't you? And it's like, yes, but that's like one minuscule aspect of my history. Like people seem to latch onto that fact. Um, I've heard other examples where people have told a story, they've told a particularly well-known story. Um, and these people have been very, you know, distinguished people, but the, the audience has remembered them for this one particular story. And we get that with founder stories as well. People latch on to particular founder stories. And that's why it can often be a really useful marketing tool. Now we need to make sure we um, communicate this in our branding and content. So we bake this into our tone of voice, we make sure our tone of voice reflected the founder, uh, we would want to for a chain of bariatric clinics, obviously, we'd want to be friendly, we'd want to not speak with jargon, we want to feel very approachable. But at the same time, we do need to come across as knowledgeable and authoritative. So we don't want to be buddy chummy, we don't want to be on the same level. But uh, as the audience, we do want to speak from a position of authority. But at the same time, we do need to be very approachable. So the friendly, helpful, uh, doctor patient type relationship rather than the jargon doctor who gets their kicks from exerting their mastery of, of jargon and technical surgical uh, terminology over their unwilling audience. And this is really important. If you're selling something where your audience can be potentially put off by the use of jargon, then actually this can you know, really impact conversion rate, this can really impact how people resonate with the brand. We've seen time and time again, how an audience will actually make the assumption that the offering isn't right for them. If they don't understand the wording, they'll feel like it's too much of a risk. So they just won't take action. So but for this business, in order to show that the business is credible, we're going to talk in plain English. Um, we'd want to also use imagery on the website to make sure that uh, people can see the surgeons, they can see them um, in action, they can see the clinics, the clinics look nice and professional. So all of this ties into the sort of uh, the brand umbrella, if you like, and this is all focused on making the business credible. Now, remember what we said about differentiation, how we don't just want to show pictures of before and after and focus on the appearance side of things, we actually want to focus on the activities that people are able to do. So what we might choose to do as we're looking at the marketing fundamentals part of our digital marketing strategy is collect a whole bunch of testimonials and uh, video testimonials from patients um, about how this surgery has impacted their life, get some pictures or videos of them doing these really exciting activities, so that we can use this across our website and through our marketing material and uh, obviously in our social media as well. The next thing that we need to do, also part of our fundamentals section, is design our customer personas, okay? Really important. So the customer personas are the target audiences or target audience 
but most businesses have at least sort of one variation. The target audiences uh, that your business is going to be going after. And it's a really good idea to have these as clearly outlined as possible. Now, these are going to change and evolve over time, but the best way to get your target customer personas designed is to actually go and speak to your customers. And um, the more of these calls you do, the more you will realize that your customers basically fit into a very finite number of buckets, if you like. And once you've got those customer personas designed, you can then use them in all of your marketing. You can throw them at any agency who's going to be doing work with them. You can throw them at your internal team and say, look, make sure you're writing or make sure you're producing or make sure you're designing for these customer personas. So it's really useful to have these outlined. And we've been speaking to a lot of clients that we've been doing Fix Your Machine, which is a service that we run recently. And these are generally their businesses that talk to their customers quite a lot, but they've never actually outlined their customer personas formally they've just sort of they got a vague idea but they actually haven't ever sat down and created their customer personas and it's really interesting that when we go through this fix your machine process with them and we design their customer personas based on our customer call research they find it really useful because although they've spoken to their customers a lot they've never actually said right our customers are you know these three types and these are the three things that they're interested in and having that actually broken down and shown in a doc makes it much more easy for them to validate ideas to test different marketing approaches or even to look at different product or service design because they've got these audiences they've got these personas that they can sort of virtually run this stuff past okay the final step before we dive into our wider marketing strategy and start talking uh, more about the sort of tactics and different channels is to use the Exposure Ninja positioning framework. This helps us make sure that we're really clear about what our USPs are. So the positioning framework looks like this. We start with the problem, we define the problem that we solve, we define our solution, and then we define our differentiation. And again, this is one of those things where you probably know it, there's different versions of this that your team will have, but having it in one place that everyone agrees on is really, really useful. So the problem with our bariatric clinic, the problem that we're solving is that people want to lose weight and they want to keep it off. The solution that we're offering is that we have a surgery that helps with this. And the differentiation is that we speak in plain English, we focus on other benefits than just the weight loss appearance side of things. And we have a compelling founder story. Okay, so that's an example of this problem um, solution framework. Now all of this is in place, we've got a great foundation to help us focus on finding the right channels for our business that are going to get us the best ROI. We're going to focus on increasing website traffic to begin with. So depending on your business's goals, obviously, there's a few different ways that you can drive traffic, you've got paid, you've got organic, and then you've got search and social content. Those are the various sort of uh, or the main sort of buckets. And then of course, you've got like hidden channels like email or like um, outbound or ABM, that type of stuff, which goes on uh, sort of behind the scenes, very difficult to do competitive research on. Now, a lot of people at this stage, they go, right, well, SEO looks fantastic. Let's just put all our time and energy into that. And you know me, SEO SEO is a god tier marketing channel, but for a lot of businesses, actually immediate ROI or at least fast ROI is one of their top priorities. And it can make sense to look at paid traffic for some of these uh, businesses where they need fast ROI. Now, let's say that our bariatric clinic is fairly new to digital marketing. They are a little bit skeptical about how this thing's going to work. They're a little bit skeptical about the long-term value. So we might say to them, right, we're going to focus on PPC to begin with. We're going to get this paying off for you. And then you can start to reinvest some of the profit that you're making from that into SEO to build visibility long-term. 
Okay, pretty common approach. So well, the first thing that we would do, um, whether we're running PPC or SEO, would be to do some keyword research and understand the sort of phrases that people are looking for. So you can use a tool like SEMrush to do this. Uh, you can get a free trial of SEMrush at thankyouninjas.com. Thankyouninjas.com. Uh, that just allows you to play with this stuff, do this stuff, and then you can cancel before the end of the 30 days if you like. Um, so what we would do here is we'd stick our competitors into SEMrush and see what they're ranking for. Stick our competitors into SEMrush and see what they're advertising against, okay? So they might be advertising against a whole bunch of phrases that actually we wouldn't have thought to target, but they've found, you know, alternative ways that customers are looking for what they do. Now in the bariatric clinic example, people aren't always just searching for bariatric clinic. They're searching for all sorts of things, weight loss surgery. They might even be searching for other weight loss solutions like weight loss diet or, you know, rapid weight loss um, methods and stuff like that, that we might want to run ads to, or we might want to get content ranked for. So this sort of competitor keyword research can be really useful at showing us little avenues that our competitors have found, which we can exploit slash learn from, right? So really, really useful. And it also shows us the content that's ranking and the content that's bringing them in the most traffic as well. Now, if we're thinking about running some PPC ads, of course, we'd go onto Google, we'd have a look at the sort of quality of the ads, we'd see, okay, do we need to be a 10 out of 10 with PPC to get some profit from this or are competitors running rubbish ads to dreadful landing pages, in which case, you know, we know that there's either going to be a huge amount of money made or these people are so dumb, they don't even know what's going on, right? They're not tracking anything and they're just pumping their cash into a black hole. Sometimes it can be difficult to tell because even particularly savvy competitors um, are doing some very strange things. If you followed any of our brand teardowns on YouTube, then you will see that some very large, very, very sensible, brilliant brands are doing some crazy weird stuff with their PPC, which is never making any money. But you want to have a look and see, okay, what's the standard of PPC in this space? Are these really good ads using all the extensions? Do they have compelling USPs? Are the landing pages really top quality? Or is it all just a little bit rubbish? If it's a little bit rubbish, get excited let's make some money. Um, if it's all really good, well, that shows you that there is money to be made, but you need to bring your A game there. You do not want to be turning up with a bit of a DIY attitude, let's have a crack, and then just get wiped out by competitors who have got this stuff absolutely nailed. Now for our weight loss surgery, um, it might be difficult to run uh, things like um, social media ads, for example, there are going to be some rest restrictions on what we can and can't say. Um, some ad platforms are a little bit iffy about certain types of surgery and how you can advertise them. So we would need to be careful. We would also need to be careful about a business like this because uh, we're obviously targeting our surgery services at a specific niche of the population. And we'd want to make sure that we were only running ads to that niche right we don't just this isn't the sort of thing that you just run to everyone because you're going to get a lot of blowback on on social media so you'd want to make sure that you got the right audience targeting it might be one of those where you actually use uh, remarketing retargeting as your way of finding that audience okay so everyone who's coming onto your website you pixel them then you run ads to them as a way of getting them back onto your site that could be a, a really sensible way to go so we'd work out what our paid traffic channel was and uh, or our paid traffic channels were and how we would approach them with that being the priority because in this specific case um, the business is prioritizing fast ROI but we'd always look up we'd always look at backing up any paid traffic in this sort of situation with or with at least one organic traffic source as well so in this case if we're targeting search then SEO and content would be the thing that we uh, sort of have in the in the background working as the PPC was bringing in some revenue because obviously our long-term goal 
is to reduce the reliance on PPC traffic because you're paying for every click, whereas with organic, you don't have to pay for every click. Now, that's not to say we'd want to just turn the PPC off. Absolutely not. If PPC is profitable, continue running it, even if you're running uh, and winning with organic for those searches too. As long as the channel is profitable, keep doing it. But what we don't want to be doing is relying purely on paying for every single click that we get to the website. We do want some of that quote unquote free traffic coming from organic sources too. So we'd want to start putting our, um, our SEO strategy in place knowing that speed of results really depends. Usually we'd say like six months to see results from SEO if you're putting time into creating content that's optimized for your target keyword and you're building backlinks. But if you know if your version of SEO is we're just going to post a couple of blogs then lose interest and then go and buy 100 links from Fiverr um, then obviously you're going to be waiting a little while longer for those SEO results to come in. You'd start by doing the result, uh, start by doing the keyword research that you've done. You'd start by doing your competitor analysis. You'd be throwing all of your competitors into SEMrush um, through your free trial at thankyouninjas.com. And from there, you would start to build a picture of what are your competitors' strengths and weaknesses? What sort of content are you going to be needing to put together and publish on your website to start beating them for some of the phrases that you can see they're generating the most traffic from? Now, for example, uh, with our clinics, our fictional bariatric clinic group, uh, we can see that the keywords weight loss surgery UK, weight loss surgery financing would be a really good fit for us to target. We can see some competitors are ranking for these terms, but they're not really ranking with really good content pages. They're actually ranking with their service pages, which aren't particularly well optimized for these terms and don't have a huge amount of information. So weight loss surgery financing, for example, that would be a great phrase to target because that is someone who is actually looking to, uh, they're, they're sort of um, working out their different payment options. So that's someone who's actually pretty far down the funnel and towards purchase. But what we do to target that would be to have an entire page which is dedicated to that term talking about the different financing options. Because that's going to have a much better chance of ranking and probably converting than a page that's just about weight loss surgery, which just happens to mention financing. So we'd start to work out which pages we need to add to the site uh, and what our priorities are there based on the keyword volume and the commercial intent of those keywords. Um, we also saw that lots of competitors are ranking for search terms like long-term problems after surgery, what can I do after surgery, what does bariatric mean, all that type of stuff. Now this kind of question content can be great to target. A lot of it will be really top of funnel, so it might not be the top priority immediately, but we would then add this to our sort of SEO to-do list as content that to create. So you can use uh, tools like alsoasked.com or SEMrush to find the different questions that people are asking about your topic. So for example, if we just stick in weight loss surgery into alsoasked.com, it gives us a whole bunch of questions that people are asking things like, uh, what's the best surgery for weight loss? How long does it take to get weight loss surgery on the NHS? Can I self-refer for weight loss surgery? Stuff like that. So we then look at all the questions that people are asking. We do some keyword research on those to work out what the search volume is on each of them and we then prioritize them in our digital marketing strategy as content to create later on. Um, great so we've got a whole bunch of ideas for content that we can target both commercial and informational. Um, now let's think about our website. Now of course before we start driving traffic at all we want to make sure that our website is actually really converting properly. If you're on our Fix Your Machine webinar um, earlier on in January then you'll be f familiar with this concept but we need to have a marketing machine that is converting so when we throw traffic i.e. fueling our machine with visitors to our website it's actually turning into revenue 
revenue. If we have a poor performing website, then driving all the traffic in the world doesn't really do anything. And driving traffic costs a huge amount of time or energy or both. So we want to make sure the website is doing a good job. Now, often a business will go straight to, yeah, but we need just need more traffic. Like I'm thinking of a, a, a business that we're talking to right at the moment, their conversion rate is less than 0.4%. Okay, less than 0.4%. They have to get more than 200 visitors onto their site to convert a single visit uh, to convert a single lead or sale. Um, but they are resolute that they just want to focus on SEO. Well, this doesn't make any sense at all, really, does it? Because imagine you can get to the top of Google for all your target phrases, you're still only going to be converting 0.4% of that traffic at best into leads or sales. Whereas what you actually want to do is you want to get that 0.4% up to like a one or a two or a 3%, however high you can push it. And then you want to focus on driving more traffic because you'll be generating a whole bunch more leads with your existing traffic in the meantime. Okay, so it's a really sort of backwards way of monetizing. It's like you've got a bucket that's really leaky. So rather than closing the holes in the bucket, you're like, right, we just need to go to a, you know, a bigger river, a faster flowing river. That's, that's going to help us. Well, yeah, it kind of is, but you're still going to be losing most of your water because of the holes. So let's fix the holes first. And then let's go to the river. And actually, do you know what, we'll get more water transported from even a slower flowing river. The metaphor is losing its steam. Let's move on. Okay. Um, so uh, the first thing that we need to think about is our um, our, our primary call to action. So what's the thing that we're actually asking people to do? Now, in the bariatric clinic world, um, the default would be something like get started now. Okay, now let's say that we've done our customer call research, and we've identified that actually get started now is too high commitment, it's a bit too forward for people a bit full on. So actually, what we want to do, we've identified from our customer calls is that the, uh, your people really want to talk to someone, they want to understand the process, they want to speak to an expert, they find that very reassuring, because this is a very scary purchase to make. So instead, we're going to use a free consultation, we're going to design a specification for that consultation includes, we're going to work out how it works, what the time scale is, um, how long it is, whether they can do it face to face, all this type of stuff, we're going to package this consultation into something that sounds really appealing for potential patients. And then we're going to present it on our website. So visitors are going to know exactly what they get when they click that free consultation button. We might also want to add a secondary call to action for people who aren't ready to book their consultation yet. So let's say that we've, you know, we remember, we've collected all our patient stories, our, our, you know, our pictures and videos and testimonials of them doing their activities that they're able to do after the surgery. So what we might want to do is put together these into a guide, which is your guide to bariatric surgery. And then we'd include information about how this works and the testimonials and case studies. And then we could offer this as a download to people from our website if they submit their email address. That then allows us to capture their email address, put them in automations, which uh, build relationship with them over time, even though you know they're not ready to make a purchase now. As we build that relationship with them over time, we send them more of their case studies and testimonials. We answer more of their questions via email. Over time, they'll begin to make that decision. And we'll be there throughout helping them make that call. Sound pretty good. So we've got a primary call to action, we got our secondary call to action, we're also going to use our customer persona and our customer research work to identify what our headlines are going to be. The headlines are really important on your website, the phrases, um, and the language that you use must resonate with your target customer, they must see themselves in the headlines on your website, and see the problem and the solution and the differentiation in the headlines that you're using. Okay, um, next thing we're going to talk about uh, social media. 
So social media really important for a business like this. Now it can be quite challenging to make a social strategy for any business involving surgery, particularly weight loss. Um, but actually, this is just, you know, an opportunity to be really creative. So uh, let's say for our bariatric clinics, because we're focusing on the activities that this type of surgery will allow patients to partake in. Uh, what we might decide to do is that our social media is going to focus on these success stories. So we're going to share how people felt after surgery and the things that they can do now. So we'd use the content that we collected, we'd use the testimonials, we might show videos of people like bungee jumping and doing other high energy activity. We might get a voiceover from the customer talking about their experience. Now, a business like this doesn't have to have loads of posts, okay? Particularly if we're using video, the cost of this is going to be relatively high. So we're not talking about you don't need to be posting five, ten, hundred times a week. Well, you probably need to be posting five times a week, but you don't need to be posting five, ten, hundred times a day. Um, but if you have really high quality stuff that you're posting, which your customers see themselves in, that's going to get a much better response than if you're just posting generic garbage that's really easy for them to ignore. Because if, if it's really easy for them to ignore, they will ignore it and then they will stop seeing it because the social uh, media algorithms are going to say, right, we're not going to bother feeding you any of this because you don't engage with it anyway. Okay, let's talk about email. We've referenced email. Every business, every digital marketing strategy needs at least an email marketing component. So, so important. And particularly for business like this with a long decision-making cycle, um, email is ideal for connecting people who aren't sure if surgery is right for them yet. So what we need to be careful about for this particular business with all of the marketing, but particularly email, this is not about an exercise in reducing the customer's self-worth. It's quite the opposite. What we're going to be using the email list is for educating customers on their options via email, helping them make a well-informed decision. So think sending them well-written blog content, customer testimonials, um, answers their common questions and concerns. You know, something like this is a big decision. So it's going to take customers longer to make a decision on something like this than the average e-commerce shopper. Now that's going to mean that we need to make sure our email automations, our email flows are longer time scale. So you might have a flow that's like 12 months long. Whereas if you're an e-commerce business, your flow might be a couple of weeks because you're focusing on basket abandonment, browse abandonment. So when you're designing the strategy, of course, you need to be thinking about other different automations that you've got and you need to make sure that the time scales are appropriate for the length of the decision making that you're, uh, that you're asking your customers to do. So of course, any business also has a post purchase sequence, which they'll want to be automating with their emails. So if you're an e commerce business, this is going to be you know, your restock sequence. If you're selling something consumable, it might be a, a sequence asking people for reviews. For our bariatric clinic, we might be asking people, uh, we might automate a post care um, sequence, which is tapping into referral marketing by asking them if there's anyone else they would like to refer to, um, or asking them for reviews and giving them the re links to review platforms that we want them to leave reviews of. So that's going to allow us to sort of automate the some of the review collection and the referral stuff, you know, the stuff that your team typically doesn't really follow through on because unless you're incentivizing your team to collect reviews and collect referrals, often that's the, the sort of stuff that gets left uh, the wayside, if you like. So you can automate that stuff. So it's happening on autopilot. So you don't need to worry about it. Okay. There you have it. A real whistle stop tour on your digital marketing strategy. Now, if you want some help, prioritizing what you should be focusing on based on your particular business on your particular website. We have the free website and marketing review from the team here at Exposure Ninja, which is designed to do exactly that. So all you need to do is go to ExposureNinja.com 
forward slash review. That's ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. There's a short questionnaire to fill in, which asks you for a bit of information about your business. And then one of the team will record you a 15 minute video showing you where to prioritize your digital marketing based on your specific business. Okay, we talked about a bariatric clinic today, but hey, we've helped e-commerce businesses, we've helped huge global brands, we've helped franchises, we've helped, you know, B2B, B2C, B2E, whatever doesn't really matter <laughs> if you, whatever your business is however strange you are I bet that we've helped at least one of you before um so request your free website and marketing review and we'll give you our recommendations of the priorities that you should be focusing on so that's exposureninja.com forward slash review if you've enjoyed this podcast episode please leave us a review we absolutely love reading them seriously i'm actually recording this with covid um and one of the things i did to get myself g'd up to give you energy uh, in today's episode was to go and read some of the reviews so thank you everyone for posting your podcast reviews i freaking love them um, and until next week see you soon